0: invite our children now to go with our children's leaders down to Creek Kids. <laughs> this morning at 7.45 a.m., about a dozen of our church leaders met over at First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs to do a prayer walk, to pray for First Baptist Church and for the Orbits Drama Academy, for Misty Creek for Cumberland Academy, which is across the street as well, for all of Sandy Springs, and we were listening to the voice of truth, discerning God's call and where he would have us go next in 2020. He's brought forth this holy and sacred connection that we could have never dreamed of. God is on the move. He's doing something fabulous, enormous, bodacious that I believe is going to flabbergast all of us. We're going to be in awe of what he's doing. And so it's an appropriate time that our church is participating in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there's some information about that on the Facebook and on our our website if if you're not familiar with that. But many folks have made the decision to do a a soul fast. That's fasting from things that waste time, that just, they just spend countless hours and energy that they don't need to spend. I've got to share something with you that's profound. Other than posting my devotions, I'm not doing social networking right now. And I'm not doing a lot of internet searches. And as hard as this is, I'm not going to ESPN and watching videos previewing the national championship tomorrow night. And I want to, I desire... And today, I got a notification on my phone that my screen usage, listen to this, was down 47%. When I looked at the total of hours, listen to this, down 14 hours. (laughs) If I can do it, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. That's just one of many things that you can do to reduce the noise of the chaos so that you can hear the voice of truth speak to you. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Have you really taken time to be still and know that he's God? Have you noticed the beauty of his creation? Did you notice the the mist this morning? We were here early It's 745 praying and we looked over here at Misty Creek and it was covered in a mist. It was as if God was saying, I am well pleased with you and what you're doing. You're putting me first and you're seeking me first. I've been knocking at the door and you've opened the door and you've let me in. Are you ready? Hold on because the adrenaline surge that I'm going to provide you is greater than that on the Goliath roller coaster at Six Flags. Are you ready? Are you I am. And I hope you are. Have you ever watched that reality show, The Voice? If you've not seen it, you've probably heard of it. It's a fascinating show. I've been watching it for the last seven years. And they have these, these judges that are sitting in these nice chairs. And I think right now it's Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani's on there. And, you know, John Legend is on there. Can you name the next one? Clarkston, so you do watch it. Kelly Clarkston, she's kind of quiet, isn't she? She doesn't say a whole lot, really. Did you know that Gwen Stefani is 50 years old? What? I couldn't believe that. I thought she was like 25. Anyway, and so they're sitting in their chairs, and when the voice, the person, comes out to sing, they're turned with their backsides facing the artist. So they don't see the person. All they do is listen. They hear the voice. And if they like what they hear, they can turn their chair. They hit this button and their chair turns. And if they don't like it, they don't turn their chair. If no chairs turn, by the time the person finishes singing, they'll turn around and they'll just give them some coaching, some tidbits of information to help them and maybe invite them to come back to the show or not invite them back. You remember American Idol, all those tryouts you'd watch? Woo! There's some people that, you know, they they wasted that money for singing lessons, that's for sure. And then, then someone comes out and they do like them. And let's say maybe one chair turns around, and that's good. You're automatically on the show if one chair turns around. Sometimes two, sometimes three, and sometimes they get a four-chair turn, and that's a big deal. You must be good if you get a four-chair turn. And then the participant have to decide on which judge they want. And that's not an easy thing to do, is it? Really. But this show reminds me of how I hear God's voice. Sometimes. I don't always necessarily see him, but I hear him, and I sense him. And I don't hear him in this audible voice necessarily, but I hear his voice of truth through other people, through some of you. I heard his voice this morning. I heard his voice through nature. I heard his voice in the stillness, in the quietness of the place. I was walking and standing. Both of our scripture lessons today deal with the voice of God. The premise of the voice, the show, reminds me of how I hear that voice. And it's a powerful thing, isn't it? God conversed with Adam in the garden. He told Noah to build an ark. He spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He promised Abraham a son. Paul heard his voice on the way to Damascus. But does God still speak today? Often people will ask the question, should I hear his voice? If I'm close enough and faithful enough, will he speak to me? Will I hear his actual voice? Well, Tim Tebow, do you know who he is? He won a couple of national championships at the University of Florida. He tried it in the NFL. He wasn't given a fair shake, my opinion. And and now he's a a college football analyst. And he speaks around the country. He's a strong young man of faith, and he plays some minor league baseball, and he's pretty good at it. I think he bats 194. That's not that great. But when he does hit, man, the ball goes for miles, miles and miles. Well, he was speaking to a group, and he said this. He says, I don't recall a time when I literally heard the voice of God But I do know that he speaks. He speaks through pastors. He speaks through people. And he speaks through his word. And many times, he is leading me through others. How profound is that? I believe that. I believe that. Now, in Exodus, we read this in Exodus 4.12. Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. That's God speaking directly to Moses. Moses was overwhelmed when he saw the burning bush not being consumed by the fire, and then he heard the voice of truth. He heard the voice of God. Yet when he heard God's message that he wanted Moses to go and free his people, Moses ran through this huge list of excuses. I'm nobody important, Lord. Why should you send me? Isn't there somebody else? What if they don't believe me? I'm not a good public speaker. I stutter. God wasn't surprised with that. He knew what Moses couldn't do, and he also knew what he could do through Moses. Do you know that God can do mighty things through, through you, through God, with God, all things are possible? Do you know what that really means? That means you and your weak, fragile human limitations, you can do all things if God empowers you and strengthens you, and you rely on the power of his Holy Spirit, All things can transpire. All things are possible. All things can happen. What does God have in store for Misty Creek? We don't really know, but God knows. And with his power and with his strength and dwelling on his presence and seeking him first, seeking first the kingdom of God, he's going to take us places we never thought possible. And that's exactly what he was saying To Moses, I've got this. You've got this because you've got me. You've got the power. You've got my power. I'll speak through you. I'll act through you. He said the same thing to Peter in Peter's first sermon after Pentecost. He spoke through Peter. And Peter spoke his words. Peter acted on his behalf. His actions replicated that of Jesus. We can do the same thing if we remove all of these distractions in our lives that take our time and we're always looking at our plodding feet rather than looking up and looking out and seeing where the greatest need is. That's Jesus. That's living a productive life. Let's just say that. And with God, there are endless possibilities in 2020 and the rest of your lives. He gave Moses a sign. He gave him authority. He said, Moses, I am, I am. God revealed his name, Yahweh, to Moses. Wow. That's how intimate their relationship was. You know that God gave everything Moses needed for the job, and God has given you everything that you need for life, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't memorize any verses of Scripture in your life, I want you to memorize this one. This is from 2 Corinthians 9, eight. It's in your notes, by the way. You have this, okay? It will blow your mind if you grasp this passage. The truth of it will blow your mind. Here it is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having... All sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. He will be your power. He will supply all that you need. His grace is free to you. His love is a free gift. It's up to you to choose that gift, take that gift, absorb that gift, digest that gift, and regurgitate that gift to the world to tell others the story. The story of faith that you have within you right now. I believe that God speaks to each of us, but I believe that He speaks most clearly through His Word. There is no ambiguity in the Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? There's no ambiguity. There's no compromise with God's Word. It is God's Word. It's the inherent Word of God Almighty. He inspired men and women, ladies and gentlemen, to write this story that you and I have. We have, I told the young people this today in their Sunday school class over at Panera. How would you like to have Sunday school at Panera? We didn't have that when I was a kid. It was in a room with four dark walls and no windows. That was it. And we looked at this Bible the whole time. And I love the Bible, but it's Imagine being a teenager and doing that. That's why so many strayed away from the faith so quickly. I'm afraid of that. But anyway, I said to them, and I say this to you this morning, endless possibilities that he's with us, that he's not going to leave us, that he's leading us somewhere that we never thought possible if we would surrender to him. And I told them that the word of God, we do not compromise what God's word says. It's the truth. Now, on this baptism of the Lord Sunday, did you know that was a Sunday it is? If you followed a liturgical calendar, which I don't really follow that anymore, but sometimes I'll look at it. And it is important to remember that it's the baptism of our Lord Sunday. You might expect me to preach another baptism message, or at least a general message on the significance and the meaning of baptism, an outward invisible sign of an inward spiritual grace, a claim by God Almighty on you. You might expect me to teach that, and that's a great teaching. And I would do that if you like that, but we're not going to do that this morning, okay? Instead, I'm going to direct our focus to the voice of God. Now, you're going to find your place in this message in just a few moments, okay? So let's begin with this reading that we heard from Psalm 29. This psalm speaks about God's voice, and it visualizes God creating in relationship to a strong and powerful thunderstorm. Did anybody have a thunderstorm last night and rain and trees down and power out? Yes, we did. Man, that was awful. Our basement flooded for the second time in one week, and we had it repaired four days ago, and it flooded worse this time. Ah! You know, the Bible says praise God in all things. I guess there's some way to praise him in that, so I did, so we got somebody even better that's coming out to repair it. It won't cost me a dime, la, 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 la. Okay, it's covered. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so give praise in all things. You know, you can look at life and say, well, I'm basically flooded. I'm not going to church today. I didn't have an option. I came to church today. You know, there are things that get in our way to say, oh, I can't go to church today. Why would you do that? Why would you make up an excuse to come and be with other believers in corporate worship and experience the power of the authentic God? Why would you miss out on that? Really, unless you're just deathly ill. Why would you miss out on that? Okay, just give that some thought in 2020, all right, as you're making your priorities. So in this passage, um, well, let me say this before I do that. God is, this, this imagery is a God who's, who's hovering over the waters. His glory is thundering. It's breaking the cedars. It's flashing forth flames in the lightning. God's voice is shaking the wilderness. The psalmist makes God's voice come alive for us. Let me ask you a question. What imagery would describe God's voice in your own life? What is it? Think about that for me. What imagery, if you got your notes, you want to write it down? What imagery would describe God's voice in my own life? Was it the lightning last night? Was it the thunder last night? What is it? What imagery would describe his voice in my life? I like the process theology metaphor of God's lure. God slowly luring me, calling me until I slowly follow. He's not a pressuring God. Some of us are pressuring when it comes to evangelism. He's not. He's a very gentle, loving God. And he draws us in. The band sang the song a couple of weeks ago. Draw me close. Draw me close, Lord. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I am your friend. Did you know that you're a friend of God? You know the song, I am a friend of, God. I am a friend of God. He's my friend. He's not just my friend, he's my Abba. He's my Aramaic daddy. He's my daddy. Daddy God, literally, daddy God. And so, a few years ago, God spoke to me on a marriage retreat, which by the way, we have a marriage retreat coming up March 27th through 29th. That's in your notes there you can look at if you want to go with us. It was at Windshape, which is behind Berry College, Which is where Trent over here went to college. Yeah, give it up for Barry. And um, it's just a gorgeous place. And we were there. And we had an opportunity to be still and be in the presence of God in a gorgeous place on that campus. And I kept hearing his message to me, abide in me. I heard it through the speaker. I heard it through my prayer time in God's Word. I heard it through my wife. Abide in me. You know, I'm learning how to be totally absorbed with God. At times, In 2018 and 2019, I was really tired and I was weak and I was worn and I was stressed out and I didn't really know if I even wanted to live, to be honest with you. That was the kind of life that was before me. And then I remembered, abide in me, abide in me. Don't let other people wear you down. Don't let their anger and animosity towards you live rent-free in your mind. Don't do that. Instead, seek me and hear my voice. The goal of life is not people. It's not. It's not to please people. It's to please God. That's the goal of life. Only in him shall we find the rest that we're seeking, the restoration and the wholeness. Nothing else, no bottle, no drug, no movie, no person. It's God. That's who we find our rest and wholeness and restoration we need solitude, we need rest. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society. Henry Nouwen, who's a great artist, um, an author, he's an artist too, I guess, but he's, a, he's a, an, an author. He writes this book called The Wounded Healer. If you've never read it, Henry Nouwen. It's an amazing read about Christ being the wounded healer, but that you and I have been wounded. We've been wounded, and that he is the healer. That's a great book. Anyway, this is what he says. He says, without solitude... We remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of false self. Falling victim to the ways of the world. Paul warns us against that, doesn't he? In Romans 12, Romans 12 too. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. And that's what people are doing. That's what society is doing. They're conforming to the pattern of the world. They're even taking God's word and trying to conform that to the world. What is that? Is that of God? We don't serve a God of chaos and confusion and division and separation. That's not the God that we serve. And if there's any of that in an institution or within you or within a group or either your family, it's not of God. It's not. So pray. Pray that division wouldn't come your way. Separation and confusion wouldn't come your way. Pray that God would take you out of that voice of confusion and bring you more into his voice of truth. Listen to his voice. Jesus was very intentional about rest. He withdrew the solitude many times, and he was the busiest man that ever lived and existed, yet he found time to be still and rest in his Father's presence. What's your excuse? Why are you not coming out of that noise of the chaos and listening to the voice of truth? He wants you to. He wants to have that relationship with you. It was in these moments of solitude that Jesus heard his Father's voice. In his humanity, God set him free from his flesh, and he can do the same for you. In our passage from Matthew today, we might all wish for the, the heavens to part and for a dove to descend and for God to declare in front of all that we are pleasing in God's sight. But it usually doesn't work quite that way for us. So how does it work for us? How can we know that God loves us? The Bible tells us so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all you need to know today. Everything else I just said, all those notes in there, they're great. You just need to know that Jesus loves you, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's really all you need to know. If you know that, You're set free to be who he created you to be. We make it so complicated, don't we? When it's not complicated, it's simple enough for a small child to grasp and understand. Hmm. An entering passage from Revelation 3.20. You've heard this passage. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. We often use this verse in evangelism, telling people God is waiting for them to ask him into their heart so that they may have eternal life. In reality, this verse was written to church people who knew God. Yet he was saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. This passage tells me that we have the ability to close God out. We do, we have that ability. Oftentimes, when I'm counseling someone hurting, I want to say, God, kick the door down and go in there and help them repair their marriage, repair their relationship with their kids, get them through this addiction, get them through this stress and depression and all that they're going through, Lord. They need you. They need your comfort and they need your guidance. Yet, for whatever reason, God doesn't kick the door down. He stands at the door and he knocks. Being the gentleman that he is, he waits. He's given us the power to decide who we are going to let him be in our life. Who are you going to let him be? Are you going to let him be everything or just when you need him? Are you going to let him take control of your life completely, surrender and be all in, are you? Are you ready to do that? Have you been saying you're going to do that? You said it in 2017, I'll do it in 2018. No, I'll do it in 2019, And now I've been attending this church called Misty Creek and it's, I'm hearing things I've never heard before. And all the people in that congregation, they serve and they do all this stuff behind the scenes and they do do mission work and they don't just write checks. They go and they're the hands and feet of Christ and the Holy Spirit is there and I actually feel the presence of God. I don't go through the motions and lift my hands and do this and play the hokey pokey. I feel something, I'm experiencing something and I'm able to apply what I'm learning and what I'm hearing to my life and to the lives of others. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender like Spongebob. I'm ready. I'm ready. Promotion. He's ready to take you to the next level. Are you ready for that? You are ready. If you're here today for the first time, he's going to equip you today in this very moment in less than a half hour to be who he called you to be if you will open your heart and your mind to receive him in that way, to surrender to him. I don't want life to be like it was. I want to live that new life that Jesus talks about, that abundant life. He has that for you. He's ready to give that to you. You can either keep the door shut or you can open it. You don't crack it, you open it fully and you say, Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. I surrender all to you. We have the power to hear His voice or not. Who is God? I think for us to open the door and let God in and hear His voice, we need to know who He is right now. Who is God? This is actually the most important question that you'll ever answer in your time here on this earth. God, the creator of the universe, the sustainer, the lawgiver, the one who sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be reconciled in relationship with him, the guiding force, the Holy Spirit, the still small voice of direction, the one who counsels and comforts us and reminds us of the truth. That's who God is. He's everlasting. He is Yahweh, and he's here. He's present in this place. Jesus said it, whenever two are gathered in my name, there I am also. So he's here. He was downstairs in the inaugural Sunday school class that Jeff Willis taught with about 20 people. He was in that room today. He was in Panera with about 12 young people today. He was walking this campus with about 10 or 12 men this morning. He was with you when you got out of your bed and you contemplated, do I really want to go today? Hopefully you're beyond that. And you wake up and you give God glory. and You say, I get to go and worship you today. And I'm gonna worship you when the time I get up to the time I go to bed. I'm gonna do it on the way in the car here. I'm gonna sing praises to you. I'm gonna pray all the way there. And then when I get there, I'm gonna be ready because it's game day. Sunday is game day, folks. We come alive and we're ready for the entire week. It's not something that just ESPN does. God's been doing game day for a long time, a lot longer than Stuart Scott ever did it. God rest his soul. So who is he? Who have you allowed him to be in your life? Think back over this last year. Has he been with you every second? Of course, the theological answer is yes, Stephen. Stephen. But have you allowed him in or has he been outside the door? Have you given him the chance to be present, fully engaged in your life, directing, loving, comforting, reminding you of the truth, and extending grace, all the while guiding you? Have you really allowed him to do that? Who is God in your life recently? Is he on the shelf or is he in the action? just a good friend that you consult when the going gets tough, just a memory of something that is powerful and at times shows up in your life to make a difference, you get a chance today in the new year to decide for yourself again who is God and who are you going to allow him to be. Christina Porter sent me an email I sent an email out to our missions team about all that God has accomplished and you're gonna get to see that list next week in a PowerPoint presentation and she responded with this amazing challenge. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do something. You can start today and next week and conclude by the end of the next week, next Sunday, to write yourself a letter, your goals and your desires for 2020. To begin praying about that, we did this at Panera with the youth this morning. They're going to do that this week. They're going to write themselves a letter. You're going to write yourself a letter. Your goals, your dreams, they can be spiritual, physical, financial, relationships, whatever they are. But I want you to consult God where he wants to lead you, what his plan is, and you write that letter to yourself. We're going to provide you the paper to do that and an envelope for you to put the letter in. You're going to address that envelope with your address. You're going to provide the stamp. And then next Sunday or the next, every Sunday this week, in January, we're going to have an opportunity for you to bring that letter that you wrote to yourself, and you'll lay it here on the altar. And we're going to mail that letter back to you about mid-December of 2020. You're going to open it. You're going to see how you and God did, not you, but how you and God did together. We're going to ask you to make a copy of that letter. Keep that letter at your bedside, at your office table, wherever so that you can periodically pick it up and you can look at it. How are we doing, God? Am I seeking you? Am I consulting you? Are we fulfilling your plan for my life? Your plan, not my plan, but your plan. This is the wonderful thing that we're gonna do as a congregation. You get to do that next week. You came to church this morning hoping just maybe God would have something to say to you, that God would put something you need to hear into the worship this morning, into what I say Psalm 29 tells us God speaks in things we can see and hear and feel, but does not promise words. In today's gospel lesson, God speaks, but it's not clear if anyone but Jesus heard his voice. God does speak, maybe not in an audible voice, but in the still small voice he speaks to you. In the silence, he speaks to you through others. He's speaking to you this morning. At baptism, we put it into words. We name each baptized person as a child of God. I am a child of God. We name that person a child of God. As members of God's family, we have work to do in this life we live. It's a work of faith, a belief in the Christ who came among us and lived a human life. In the spirit that lights the way we are to follow. And even in the darkest times, there is a God. There is a God whose voice calls out that we are dearly loved too. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to remember your baptism. You may have been an infant. You may have been a teenager. You may have been a grown adult. Maybe today, this was not planned, but this is God. Maybe today, you've never been baptized, and you desire to be baptized. Let me say something about that for a moment. Okay, You don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. You can call on the name of the Lord and receive him in the heart and serve him. But when you are baptized, it's more than just getting wet. As Tony Evans reminds us, you can take a sinner that's not received Christ and you can get them wet. But after you get them wet, they're just a wet sinner. Right? That's a wet sinner over there. (laughs) You know? But when someone who has professed Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives comes to be baptized, in essence, they are saying that I am identified with Christ. It's a place of identification. Let me give you an example. This is another example we learned from Kingdom Disciple. I have a wedding ring on. Can't get it off. It hasn't come off in 24 years. Now, I'm married. I don't have to wear this ring for me to be married. But I wear it because it says, I'm not available. I'm married to that gorgeous woman down there named Karen. It signifies something. That marriage is a calling. That marriage is of God. Marriage is about giving and sacrifice and serving and putting someone else's needs above your own need. That's what this symbolizes. That's what baptism is for us. It's God's claim on us. It's his voice just as he called out to Jesus. I am pleased with you. I love you. You are mine. You are identified with me. You are cleansed by the blood of the Almighty. I am your Savior. And he claims you and he calls you. I want to share something with you. And I told you I have my screen times down, but this is not on the internet. This is my, my Bible, okay? And I want you to hear this passage of Scripture. Listen to this. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When we put our trust in Christ, we become completely identified with him. That is in his death and his resurrection. We have this new life. We are resurrected. We are new creations, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. When we immerse folks in the water of baptism, we are picturing their death to the old life and resurrection to a new way of life. And that happened at the moment you trust in Christ. At the moment you trust in him, his presence comes upon you and you are forgiven of your sin. This ordinance of water baptism was given to the church as an outward testimony to this inward change. So, as an outward, invisible way of expressing an inward grace. And when you're baptized, it's God saying, You are mine. I have claimed you and called you by name. And so, this morning, we thought it very appropriate for you to come and remember your baptism. And the way that we're going to do this is a little different than probably you've had done before. I have these stones down here. They're actually pebbles. And they came out of Matthew's Creek. Now, you wouldn't know Matthew's Creek. S.J. and Karen wouldn't know Matthew's Creek. Matthew's Creek is this little creek that flows behind our little cabin in the mountains, Table Rock, South Carolina. And over the years, I've just collected a bunch of these. And and God, why am I collecting these, I would ask? What am I going to do with those? Voila. They're in this bowl here. Now, I believe that Doug's going to have something to say about stones at all in just a few moments, but I want to say something about these stones, and the first thing I want to do is, you're probably wondering, what in the world is that? This is what I use for circuit training to do my burpees. You know what burpees are? Just kidding. Um, this, This is a stone. This is a rock, and it is heavy. It weighs a lot, but many times... When God rescued his people, even when they were unfaithful, even when they were not following him the way they should, he rescued them and he saved them from various armies and from destruction. And they would raise an Ebenezer, a stone, a stone of help, a stone of hope. They would raise it. They would use stones. They would they would build an altar with those stones or those rocks. Sometimes they were small, itty-bitty stones like those, and sometimes it was a big stone. And this stone today reminds me that We all carry a lot of burdens. A lot of us are weighed down by life. Woe is me. And yet he takes that from us and he bears that burden. He took on the weight of the world's sin, all of it, all those wounds, all those burdens, all those struggles, you know, those thoughts of not being good enough. He took it on himself on that cross along with the most hard crucifixion you could ever imagine in your life so that you would not be weighed down by this anymore. He frees you. So when you come today, Doug and I, we will offer you an opportunity to reach in to this water and take a stone. We'll say a few words over you, but this is for you to raise your Ebenezer. Ebenezer. You ever wonder what that word means? This is the stone of help, of hope, of setting me free. I raise my Ebenezer to you today. You'll take this. Put it in your pocket, take it home, put it somewhere where you can remember that you are claimed and called and loved by God. And there's nothing that you can do that would ever separate you from him. That's your Ebenezer, that's your, your stone today. And if you get your hand a little wet, that's okay. That helps you remember your baptism because you may have been small. I was an infant when I was baptized. I don't remember. But when I put my hands in that water and when I touched that stone, I remember that I have been claimed by God, by the power of God by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And that water reminds me that I've been cleansed. I'm gonna pray over this water this morning. God, as you hovered over the waters, you brought forth teeming life, life abundant. You made the water holy with your presence, with your breath. And Lord, this water this morning, Lord, we ask that it become holy water, sacred, cleansing water, that when we place our hands into this bowl and we take this Ebenezer, this Stone, that we remember that you love us, that you care about us, and that we can place all of our pain, our grief, our sorrow, and despair upon you. And we can let go of that big, oh, heavy stone, that rock that continues to weigh us down. We release that today. Hallelujah. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your son, our messiah. So we invite you to come, take a stone, return to your seat, and just pray. Just seek God's guidance. Just be still in his presence this morning. Come and remember your baptism. If you have not been baptized, and today you want to identify with him, you want to profess him as your savior, we'll baptize you right here in this place. You'll be the first ones. I'm serious. We don't have to have a font. We don't have to go out to the river. We can do it right here because this water has been prayed over. It's sacred. It's anointed. And it's not me. It's not Doug that's baptizing anyway. God is the actor in this. He's the power. It's not us. It's what he's doing. You just tell us. Just tell Doug just say, I'd like to be baptized. Tell me, I'd like to be baptized. And we'll baptize you right here at Misty Creek, January 12th, 2020. So come now and remember your baptism, and give thanks. Anybody, just come.